Hello, everybody, and welcome to Saints Radio. What a great privilege it is to be able to reach out to our network family and to share these fleeting moments together on this Tuesday. And by fleeting, I mean we start this and it's it passes quickly. I wonder how many of these we've done. I was actually thinking about that just the other day. You were? Yeah, because I, I was I was writing something and I was remembering and it's like I was thinking how many years and of course I, I'm not very good with that kind of thing because I could say two years and it could be ten years and I but um, I was trying to remember how long it's been since we launched this broadcast I was going back and cleaning out this Facebook page and um, I realized that I had posted from way back in like 2016 2015 and so I think that somewhere around there or was it when we got this original TriCaster? Well, we got this thing at about 10 years ago. And I think it wasn't very long after that that we... Started. Started. I don't think we started right away. It was It was shortly thereafter we created in the process of the original website. Because I remember working on that website and the content of that website. And I remember you saying to me, I want a radio broadcast. And just trying to visualize how that's going to work. I remember originally I thought, well, Pastor could have this radio broadcast where we just set him up in his office and he could just do the broadcast from it. That's how I first envisioned it, from your office. And then, I don't know. Well, that was the end of 2012 going into 2013. That's when the High and Holy website I just cannot believe it's been that many years. Yeah. And I just, and the, just the, the miraculous reality that we are no older. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Even though, you know, it's funny because I look, I look, I feel the same, or I feel better than I used to. I don't know. I don't, I, I, at least I feel as good as I used to. But, my hair is changing colors, you know. Not every day. I don't. I don't know that reality. <laughs> and it's funny how sometimes when I'm wearing that mask and I go into places and people see, I guess, a grayer head, and they they kind of treat me like an old man. It's kind of funny. Some people do. And then you know, after I do a few loops around them linguistically, they. They recognize I'm not as old of a coot as my gray hair might reveal. Of course, I always wondered, though, about people that got gray hair really early, you know. We've known people that turned gray in their 30s. Listen, my grandfather was bald by the time he was 22. By the time he was 22? And my brother, the same. I mean, my brother always had this long, flowing hair. He was what most people would probably call a hippie from the 70s and um yeah and then he started losing his hair he was probably bald <laughs> by his mid mid to early late 20 early late 20s yeah wow. so i think there's there's something called premature balding that is a very real thing <laughs> wow so I have not discussed that with Noah, but it doesn't look like there's any indication of baldness on his horizon. Welcome to this edition of Hair Club for Men. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, in, in this chit-chat part of our hour, have you had the experience where you've like seen somebody on a regular basis and they always have their mask on? And then all of a the sudden, they take their mask off and they look nothing like what you envisioned them to look? Uh, <laughs> because I just had that happen, and it was so astounding. I was like, when she took her mask off, it, she did not look anything like what I had envisioned her looking like behind that mask. Because, I mean, literally, it's like the mask is like from the bottom of your eye. Well, yeah. I guess from, yeah. 
So that was kind of a, a well, fun I experience. Always, well, I used to wonder, like with the Lone Ranger and with Batman, who wore masks, mm -hmm. or, or, or even Superman, who wore glasses, how people didn't recognize them, you know? But, I mean, that's like but half your face. But it does make face. sense, yeah. Yeah, and so usually you're with people that'll pull their mask down or, I don't know. But That's then, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. <clears throat> well, it's it's kind of it's kind of that same way, you know. Like I watch these every now and then. I'll watch these um, these info commercial programs about music from the seventies or sixties, and and I'll see these people who are singing these songs, and I think, oh, that's what that person looked like. I, I envision what these people look like by, by hearing the music. And then when I actually saw them, of course, you saw them all in person, but for me, it was a sin. So um, You could listen, but you couldn't see them. That's, well, I would clandestinely listen. Um, but um, it's, it's, it's really funny. So we hope you in this period where you haven't been able to come here for seminars and we hope you haven't forgotten what we look like but um maybe we should send a current photo of at least of me you look the same oh. but it you know this is who this is who i i look like you know this is what i look like um of course now i see that the high and holy fauci says that now the science has proven that you don't need to wear a mask outside. That it's it's virtually impossible. Of course, he threw in if you're vaccinated, but it's virtually impossible for people to to transmit, um, you know, the COVID thing if you're outside. And so, I did you hear that yesterday, mm -hmm. two days ago? It was very interesting. <clears throat> No, but it's interesting because just traveling in California, which is basically the only place that I've continued to go, is particularly in L.A. I mean, people, I, I was shamed for not having a mask on outside, in the, you know, on the sidewalk when I was walking through L.A. I mean, they wear masks outside, inside, running, cycling, probably surfing. I mean, they they have masks on, and I know that they had, I think, stricter mandates i think than we did here in texas thank god yeah but it's just crazy to see people out there jogging and i see people at white rock lake outside exercising with masks on and i think i can hardly like go to the grocery store and not suffocate with well <laughs> that, you know i on. was listening you know i i heard this and then i was listening to the various lawsuits that have been leveled against um school districts and athletic directors who were saying this is dangerous for our athletes to be out here outside with masks on and they they were showing how carbon dioxide levels were actually poisoning the blood and you were cutting back on the ability of the body to take in oxygen and it had two or three different um, physical effects that were really damaging and then they were talking about the psyche of children you know little children who are having to wear these masks and um th this is medical stuff this isn't you know you tune into this uhf channel from some guy broadcasting from a cave in kentucky because he's got the news and nobody else does these are respected medical even here's here's one of the ones that i was listening ron DeSantis in florida had this gathering and he brought some uh, doctors from harvard school of medicine and johns hopkins and they were talking about this very thing and youtube blocked it mm -hmm. isn't that something that's not surprising but but they were talking about how you know this this is a damaging effect <clears throat> and so then I heard Tucker Carlson going off on this and he said, you know what, if you're outside and you see somebody wearing a mask and they're, they're, they're exercising, you should, you should tell them, shame on you, shame on you. And, you know, I'm not saying you do that. But um, so 
I don't know how we we went from hairlessness to to uh, masks, uh, balding. I wonder. You know, I I see the the twins come in every Sunday with their masks on, and I think, you know, I guess for a little one. And and yesterday I was walking Shadow early in the morning and. And I, I'm walking through my neighborhood, and I see all these kids coming out in their school uniforms, getting in their Suburbans, going to carpool or whatever, going to school. And they half of them have their masks on when they walk out the door. Yeah. And I think, I guess for a, a young child, their condition, I mean, this is what they learn. But, like, for instance, Olivia's been nannying this baby. He's almost two, and, all, and, and she spends a lot of time with my nephew, who is, is almost two. And I've been spending a lot of time with both of them, with the children. And so often, if the weather's not conducive for us to be outside, we'll go to North Park or we'll go to some place to eat or whatever. And and I think these kids look at me, they look at Olivia, they look at they look at these adults, and we have masks on all the time. And I think that is normal for them. You know, they it, it's just it's like. It's because it's so foreign to me, and I think I still cringe when I'm walking through, say, the mall, and everybody has a mask on their face or the airport, because I just think this is so, not the masks are not demonic, but the whole agenda is just so demonic. Yeah. <laughs> and and it just, it takes everything I have just to to not just react, because I just think... I hate this. Well, it's really a, pr- a precursor of programming and control. Totally. Plus, you, you know, can't express, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it limits our expression. And, I, you know, our communication, all of those things. And I just think, anyway, so you go ahead. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because, like, um, the twins, when they're at our house, they're not wearing masks. You know they're climbing all over me. I mean, there's no, there's no mask. But when they come, I guess when they go out, they kind of like wearing them. You know, they like wearing the different like colors accessory. and things like that. Yeah. And I, you know, I tell them, I said, well, you really don't need to wear that while you're here, at the church. But then they they just like doing it, which is kind of, you know, I don't know. It's just what they know are, now. Or funny. Yeah, I mean, for their gener- for their little minds, I mean, it's what they. It's normal for them. Yeah. And it's so not normal for us. Well, one of the things that I've been doing with them is <clears throat> sometimes we'll we'll give nicknames to kids in their class, you know. But the boys. The boys. Because little boys, I was never this way. But little boys are just kind of weird. A lot of them are. A lot of little boys are weird. At least the little boys in, in this school. And they have these really quirky idiosyncrasies. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them. And so they'll be talking about this kid, what he does, you know. And I'll, I'll, I'll say, man, we should call him this. And they just laugh. Now, they don't call him that in person, but that's the way I identify all these kids in their class. Like, uh, Katie gave one of these kids counterfeit coin Charlie because he had done a, a th- an expose on counterfeit coinage. And there's this other little kid that's just into history all the time, so I call him Warhead Jordan. <laughs> and anyway, it's just kind of funny, but <clears throat> um, there's this, this whole um, flow of the way little kids are today and of course, then you know I'm reading. I was just reading when when you came into the booth about um, the wokest um, philosophies that a lot of teachers unions are are really impressing upon school districts, and the threats they're putting against teachers who won't go along with it, and um, the ramifications that they are trying to impress on parents that don't want to go along with it. And oh, this is real life stuff. I oh, mean, it, yeah. Just yesterday, I heard that this family that Olivia's nannying for, they have their kindergartner at the public school <coughs> in Lake Highlands, and the elementary school, 
and they're pulling him out because they're starting to thrust that whole gay lesbian what LBGQ in kindergarten. Yeah, the doc. Oh yes. my lord. Yes, and yeah, and that's in the. I mean, a very reputable school district here in the city. Oh yeah, for those of you who aren't, Lake Highlands is really a is a well respected school district. But I think they get pressure. I mean, I my kids went to St. John's and and I love that school. It is it was so good to us and they, my kids got a wonderful education and it was very nurturing and very God-centered seemed to be anyway. And I heard recently that there's a boy in middle school that thinks he wants to be a girl and he helps with carpool in the afternoons where they go to the car and they help the kids the children get into their their parents car and this boy wants to wear a skirt and the school is allowing him to wear a skirt and his hair and pigtails and he's helping these kindergartners these first second graders into their parents (laughs) cars and I, I, it just, I just, I thought, dear Jesus, how can that be? I mean, this is a Christian prep school. I mean, how can that be? How did that, how does that happen? How do you have chapel that's centered around the gospel? But I, I mean, I am coming to understand more about the Antichrist and that it is, it's truly anything that is anti-Christ, but it does everything it can to um, to emulate. Like for how do I describe this? It's like Jesus is love. You know, God is love. God is it's unconditional love. It's 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 grace. It's acceptance. It's unmerited faith. It's all of the favor. It's all of those things. And so the antichrist. It promotes, you know, everything belongs and everyone belongs and, 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 and God is love. So God is inclusive. And, and so we just love people through this. You know, it's just, it's just so crazy to me. Well, yeah, you hit on something really interesting because I remember when we first started recognizing what it meant to, well, not, we we're still learning this. But the difference between just being in the church and being a son and what it really meant to be Christ-like. And when we started talking about that, there were lots of people in this church who were gravely offended that we would say that God would look at one uh, in in a sonship way while looking at another as a a child that um you know that really would not necessarily be entrusted with the authority that he needed and that kind of a backwards thing where everybody's equal you know nobody can rise above this there's equity all across the board and what that does is it dumbs down the whole unit and then you just got a bunch of, it's like a hillbilly house, you know, where you got a bunch of people sitting, chewing on straw and nobody mounting to anything. <clears throat> and grandma has to get up and cook for all of them. And, but see, we're rapidly becoming that way. And it is that antichrist thing because uh, what I'm saying, some of you may think, where was he going with this? Well, I, I thought I just said it. When we first started saying God wants more of us and we started showing that in the scripture, there was a groundswell of people who were here, who were Christians, who didn't like it. They were offended. They were offended because we were saying that there are levels of this and we'd show how the Apostle Paul said there are those that are babies and then there are those that are a child and then those who are uh, working as servants and sons and heirs and joint heirs. And, you know, you can just say, well, everybody's everything. <clears throat> but when everybody's everything, nobody's nothing. All right. And so, um, but that really, that's this kind of thing, I don't want to say in reverse, 
but it kind of is. Those of you who are excelling in this, we've got to knock you down because any kind of excellence in math or whatever is a, a symbol of some kind of supremacy. And so you've got to be pulled back so that everybody can be on the level, on the same level. And um, somehow that note didn't get over to the Chinese or to a lot of places in India. But here you see the dumbing down of society. And instead of saying, look up and become, I have a dream. You know, what, what, what was Martin Luther King's dream? Well, okay, I'm probably not supposed to be saying anything about it because I'm a white guy. I don't have the right to say that. But I don't think his dream was everybody just dumbed down and let's not achieve anything. I mean, the whole mantra of so many of those in the early civil rights movement, and even before that, was education. I mean, education. You know, you've got to be educated. Education is everything. And the idea that somehow now we've got to tone down education so that, you know, everybody can feel the same is dumb. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of a paradox to say education and dumb, but it, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I, I looked at a statistic last night, and of course everybody has statistics. You know, you can bring facts and then somebody like Nancy Pelosi will say, well, I'm not interested in your facts because they've got a whole set of other facts. But, you know, our country is now on, on a reading level and on a math level. We're so far behind so many other countries. I don't mean a few points. I mean so far behind. And so we keep saying in math, in reading, in, in uh, uh, linguistic skills, and so, but it, it, it really has to be, to some degree, a dimension, as you said, of that, <clears throat> of that Antichrist um, spirit. Because if we're going to be Christ-like, that means we strive to be the best that we can be. Not to be better than anybody else, but the best that we can be. Mm -hmm. And we don't try to hold somebody else back even though the enemy would want that you know you know he he would want in a church those that are gifted in certain ways to be toned down so that people who didn't have that gifting would somehow then feel okay Couldn't. about themselves yeah. because you know and we've heard that haven't we yes as we've taught and as yes. we've experienced life well, you know, I just feel so bad. Why didn't God give me that gift? They give this gift to everybody else. So you kind of tone it down. So And you don't talk about things because you don't want anybody to feel bad. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a demonic type of a thing. And, and that really, that's what he said to, to Eve. He said, you know... Yeah. He, he doesn't want you eating that because he knows that if you eat it, you'll be as good as him. Well, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't what God said at all. I mean, we're to be like God and strive to be like him. But that whole issue of jealousy and competition and envy, even um, Cain and Abel. You know, God, you know, you brought this offering. I, I did this over here. You know, why, why do I have to bring the offering that you brought? Why, why can't I bring whatever offering I want? Mm -hmm. And God says, if you do good and right, won't you be accepted? But instead, Cain rises up, slays Abel, and it was all about the fact that <clears throat> God required this. Even though they were both different brothers, one brought what God wanted, the other brought what the other brother wanted, and that wasn't acceptable. You see, that's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? Like today, well, just let everybody, you know, whatever answer you want is fine. Everybody be your own thing. Whatever you want to do is fine. Now, what is your truth? I wonder if God said that to Cain. 
Cain, what is your truth, Cain? You know, we don't want you to feel rejected here. You know, I said, this is what I wanted. Your brother brought this, but I don't want you to feel rejected. So what is, what is your offering? What offering did you want to bring? And that's not what happened there. So, but it, it's, it's that age old thing. And now you have, you have the enemy manifesting it in a new and very decisive way in our in our country and it it really is i don't want to say scary it's angering <laughs> and that wrote she sent a text and said that she said it's like everyone gets a medal there's no first place second place etc and she said social pressure is what they use now in the school system i can't fail them i have to pass them so the kids won't be damaged I had an argument with a professor at college over this exact subject. <coughs> None of the younger people in the class would say anything, though. <laughs> wow. You know, and you wonder, I mean, I, I remember the day when, not the specific day, but I remember how often the Lord, just for us in the body of, of the saints, has hit on that whole comparison and jealousy and, and what's comparison. You know, don't compare yourself with with someone else because God created you exactly the way he created you with unique giftings and callings. And what we had to learn to do is find our identity and and the gifts and the callings that he's placed within us and thrive in that because every joint supplies. And I mean, he would not allow he he will not allow that in his church. He will not allow that jealousy. And you see it through scripture. I mean, you do. I mean, look at Saul and David. I mean, it's 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 throughout scripture, but um, and there's probably a lot that's not been said about some of those characters. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the, the disciples, <coughs> you know, who's better? Who's going to who's going to have these 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 places at your side? Which one do you love the most? You know, those kinds of things. Well, what is that to thou? Remember when he hit us with that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's just... But I mean, to me, to be Christ-like is to embrace that process of of being pressed and refined and and sanctified and, and, and made... Um, really in his well it's just to me it's just it's that it's embracing that process and overcoming through it and thriving in it that we all have to to really embrace and accept and overcome through yeah <clears throat> well then then you also have <clears throat> what jesus warned in the first part of the book of Revelation about Jezebel being free to teach in the church and that that issue you had the Nicolaitans which were you know it's kind of nebulous as to who they were but the name themselves means that um, people that would the end justified the means you know to conquer the people Nicolaitan um, and they they would do whatever they had to do to get their aim and to get their their victory and God said he hated that but Jezebel a virgin dedicated to Baal um, to to cause your giftings what you were created the that place of vulnerability and creativity that should be devoted to producing what God wants has been then twisted and turned to serving Baal or Beelzebub or the outposts around the earth that is a teaching God said you suffered that one to teach mm. um these are all very practical things and see you can't you can't say there's i said this before but 
the progressives won't take yes for an answer because anything you give, there's always more that they want because they have an agenda. If you bring anything, like last week, that tragic shooting of that young girl who's about to plunge a knife into another girl. We haven't heard from the girl whose life was saved, have we? No. We haven't heard one word from that, which I would kind of be interested to hear her take on whether that should have happened. Um, but it's amazing that the take that is registering uh, about that one thing that, to me, is very clear. It's tragic, but it's, it's very clear. Um, and then, you know, I'm glad the Oscars bit the dust so badly on Sunday. Um, it was all about George Floyd, I heard. Oh, yeah. But Which, incidentally, I mean, I, I sat last week and I watched the entire video of that whole, have you seen it? The, the video from the time they stopped him until until he died. And I firmly believe that officer should have never put his knee on his exactly. neck and he should have never died. But literally for like 15 minutes, those police officers were trying to get him out of his car, out of the road, and over to the sidewalk so that he... And in the off, you even hear the officer in the audio saying, Sir... We just need you to stand up and walk to the sidewalk so that you don't get hurt, so that you don't get hit by a car. I mean, you could hear the, the, the care for this man, even though he was, I mean, he was clearly on drugs. I mean, it, it, well, I, I'm not judging. I don't know. I'm just saying it sounded just by just the whole thing, just none of it really made sense. But it's just so sad the way that it ended. Yeah. Because, uh, well, you know, it's it's kind of strange because the one clip I did see was was posted of Tyler Perry when he was giving his speech, and he he said that his mother had taught him not to hate anybody, and he was saying, you know, we shouldn't hate. African Americans, we shouldn't hate Latinos, we shouldn't hate Asians, and the people that were there were all clapping. We shouldn't hate white people, we shouldn't hate police officers, and when he started saying that, all the applause stopped. And But he was going on, and I, I believe he, I don't know him, but I know he's attended T.D. Jakes' church, and he's, I think even the goofy movies he makes, he's very familiar with what goes on at church so I have a very strong feeling that he's a, a Christian I don't know that so don't send me one way or the other but at least he was talking about hatred mm -hmm. and um, uh, and I think that's really one of the agendas the enemy has to get everybody hating one another mm -hmm. and um, dividing because for a Marxist system they have to have somebody they hate mm -hmm. now they don't have Trump anymore to hate so now you gotta you gotta hate police and white people, and um, and then what's not being reported is I am sure that there are, I don't know this but there are a lot of Caucasian people that have heard just about enough of that, and I'm sure that there is an engendering of hate across this country that is the aim of of any Marxist takeover. And, it, you know, it's it, uh, not just Marxist. I mean, you see what happened in Rwanda, where <clears throat> the, the, the tribes rose against each other in hatred and just murdered one another. And even in Uganda, the same type of thing. And, in, in, you know, the Bolshevik rebellion, that just, just absolute hatred and murder. And even in France, in, in the, uh, the revolution, I mean, there was... I'm not saying that there weren't issues, hear me, but there was just maniacal hatred um, to kill all of those people. <clears throat> and so I think that you see uh, this, this enemy and desire to pollute, to bring a malaise in education and to, to promote hatred. Um, 
is all of that is a cocktail for evil. So I've been reading, I was reading some scriptures yesterday about oh, hatred. Let's talk about the Bible. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> th- th- these are, if you don't talk about where we as saints are in the society we're in, you know, people are going to find their opinions on some crazy site somewhere, and then the saints aren't in agreement. But, you know, there's there are a lot of scriptures about hatred. And like one Jesus said, you know, if you if you hate your brother, the love of the Father is not in you. And I don't want that. I I don't want to be cut off from my father. I don't I don't want to have his agape, which is more than just warm and cozy feeling. I don't want that life flow and directive to be for me to be bereft of that and so there are a lot of times where as an American I become angry when I see things going on and it's kind of like that scripture that says be angry but sin not don't miss the mark Um, I think that um, we're really going to have to guard ourselves in that regard because there is a a demonic agenda of of all the things we've said and a whole lot more, but particularly hatred and to divide and conquer. So a cord is split. And we as saints need to really search ourselves to see if we're engaging in inside ourselves with any measure of hatred uh, you know and I, I'm, I'm just being honest uh, about this there have been some things that have happened over the past couple of years and the, the enemy would stir that thought in me and the remembrance of certain things and then just absolute disbelief that such things could happen and then anger and then you let that stew and you you can you can then start thinking things that you should not be thinking and you know we can let this happen in so many ways and i remember many many years ago i remember when we had the activation at the lincoln memorial in washington dc and we were there ministering at our, our, with our brothers and sisters based at an African-American church and we were talking about unity and we were talking on that cold day about God and his desire to bring a great awakening to the African-American church that they would be a mighty army in the time of the end for the Lord. And I remember you know a lot of other things we we made declaration of and it was it was very powerful and i i know the enemy um does not want that to happen and so he would try to engender division and distrust and ridiculous uh ridiculous mindsets you know, it sounds, here we are two Caucasian people sitting at this table talking. But over the years, one of our greatest privileges has been to minister alongside and with not only African American brothers and sisters, but African brothers and sisters. And you know, I um, our first mission out of this church as a body was to go into Uganda and uh, to minister there and to invest time and to invest lots of money and to invest teaching and intercession and um, 
it's it, it's you know i i just i remember walking um the streets of of paris with one of our dear sisters who's an african-american and just just we're just all one family we laugh we we were talking and ministering and fellowshipping together and you know i i i remember being there's so many examples i mean i don't need to bring out one or two i'm not trying to to um race bait anybody but i still believe in that promise and i think that the enemy does not want that promise to be and i i think that he's doing everything he can to try to um, disarm that prophetic promise. But what is necessary for, for the will of God to be done is for good to overcome evil, light to triumph over darkness. And, you know, you don't defeat the darkness by cursing it or being angry at it. You, you defeat darkness by being light. And um, actions speak louder than words. So I, I think it's, it's very interesting to see the various factors that our enemy is trying to inject into the fabric, not only of this country, but the world. And all that's necessary for evil, evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And we need a demonstration of accord and a demonstration. Maybe, maybe there will be a spirit-led um, parade of that. Maybe, maybe there, maybe, and it's going to have to be largely driven by people of color, because if it's if it's done by white people as the progenitors, that will be typecast as you you folks are just trying to gain dominion again. But there needs to be some kind of spiritual bond that is showcased. But there there need to be in, in cities across this nation people of color and, and people that are Caucasian who believe the Lord and love him, who will stand together publicly and say, enough of this, enough of this. Not to say that America can't improve, but it's division right now. It's hatred right now. It is calling good evil and evil good right now. And um, we've, we've got to, we've got to really do everything we can to counteract hatred. Yeah, and I, one of the things that I've I, I recognize is that you know, you talk about hate, you talk about hatred and I think we associate that as something that's emotionally driven. It's like something makes us angry or but there's, to me there's, I mean, it's a spirit and I know I mean, I, 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 the love of God is in us, and, and how can hate be in there? But I know when that spirit hits me, that spirit of hatred hits me, and it is like the most, I mean, it is disgusting. And I know it's a spirit. And I th it's, it's almost like possessing. It's like, it's like possessing. If you let it, if you let it penetrate, it will possess. And I recognize it. And I, I immediately like address it, you know, with 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 the spirit um, of the Lord. And so that's something that we have to recognize because we battle not against flesh and blood. This is not just an emotional battle. This is a spiritual battle that if you if you know what I'm talking about, when that spirit of hatred hits you, it is to me, it's like nothing else. It's like. On a, in a totally different way, when I encountered the spirit of fear and recognized it was a spirit that was attacking me and not just my emotions and, you know, what, 
we generate is fear. And so I think we have to recognize that and, and recognize and really learn what the, the counter, what the antithesis is, is how we battle that. Because I think it's going to become more and more prevailing in the days ahead because it's, it's saturating the atmosphere. Yeah. And so th- that reality has really helped me. Um, and, and I, it's almost like I hate it when I, when I, when I sense that coming at me, but I'm so thankful that the Lord has allowed it for me to learn. And I think there's, I still have so much to learn, but it is the most disgusting feeling. I mean, it's just, it's so disgusting. You know what I'm talking about? So there's a difference between anger and hate. And, and I think that differentiation is something that you know I was just looking up the you know the main Hebrew word for hatred which is sane sane and its root is out of dislike but it's based on a dislike for something that somebody is that is different than your precedent than than your preference Um, and so that's the germination of what true hatred is and like you add, like when uh, Absalom, when his when Tamar was raped, and um, he he hated. Well, that was based upon, you know, a feeling for his sister. And what she went through, and the fact that he felt David didn't do anything about it, and then just a, an absolute disgust by what his his brother had done so when we allow that that anger to breed itself that's what germinates into the hatred yeah but two if you if you make yourself because i mean i've had that that spirit hit me at the most i mean just like and and it's it's just it's shuddering it's like whoa where did that come from and i i know that it's because for whatever reason i'm processing things in my own heart that you know i'm i'm cultivating this dislike of something and and i'm allowing that to happen and i think that's what we have to guard ourselves from because yeah and i think those roots are being germinated right now yes absolutely dislike of one another we don't like what you do you're doing and even to falsify to demonize people that are different than you while at the same time saying that they're the ones that are doing it and you're somehow trying to cleanse them from this. This really helps. I mean, it, it really helps understand what's happening. Just, it, it really does. Well, the end game of the enemy is not to, to just cause chaos. There is a deeper objective of what he's trying to create in this i think part of it is that he's trying to block some of the things that god prophetically has stated that he's going to do and um but the other i think is you take these ingredients it's okay you know and this is what the enemy did with the rebellion he gathered those those seven principalities and because he said he could be like the most high he could dominate the high places but see it does it breeds that rebellion and it 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 breeds it and it's mm-hmm. contagious and it's it's foul yeah we have to be so careful and even what judas did um judas, i feel sorry for judas yeah he, he i've was, always felt sorry for him he wasn't the only one that was targeted um but somehow what Jesus was doing was not what Judas had on his agenda. And the more Jesus would not do what Judas wanted and did things that were more benign in Judas's eyes, he, he became angry. And then that scheme of, of uh, Annas and Caiaphas that we talked about on Sunday, in that quick, in those days, you know, think about that. 
We read on Sunday that after Lazarus was raised from the grave, there had there was a then a roughly a two week period between that and crucifixion and resurrection. So in that amount of time, and, and you have to throw in a couple of days for those talebearers to run to the Pharisees and tell them what Jesus had done. So you carve out a couple more days. Somewhere in that time, Judas was approached and he made this bargain. Um, and, you know, that's just fascinating because from Judas' standpoint, the disciples were still kind of balking at the idea that Jesus was going to be crucified. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They still weren't, even after he was, when he, when he rose again, he said, didn't I tell you this is what's going to happen? Why, why is this that you're so slow to believe? Mm -hmm. um, but Jesus had just risen this guy from the dead. There was a groundswell of people that were coming and it, it was even the Sanhedrin was having a discussion about, should we embrace this guy? And then they said, well, if we embrace him, we're going to lose our position. At the, at the, the main thing is we're going to lose our position. And plus Rome might not like it. And they'll come in here. So, but, but Judas, that, was, that should have been a high point for all of them. I mean, even when they came around to six, a few days later to have a meal at Lazarus' house, when Jesus left Ephraim where he was hiding out, and then he comes to have the meal, the alabaster box, and Judas is angry. I mean, where do you go from... I don't think he ever hated the Lord. Well, I don't either, and I, it's always been kind of confusing to me because I know that somebody was going to betray him. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the it's plan. Prophesied, yeah. Yeah, that was the plan of God, and I've always looked at it like Judah was targeted to be the one. And I, when I said I feel sorry for him because I've always looked at it that way, like <clears throat> he just didn't have, he didn't stand a chance. I've often felt that but I he, don't know. He, it was not his intent that Jesus be killed. I think it was his intent that what he did would, because there were people, again, in those very days that were wanting to make Jesus king. Mm -hmm. And he thought, if I force this issue, then Jesus will have no other, other option than to see, uh, then he'll really be the Messiah. I think that's what happened because once it turned sideways and he saw the Lord being beaten and he went and he threw the money down and killed himself. I'm not justifying this. Neither one of us are. No, no, I'm trying to, no. But, but the, but the, but the ideas of, of not liking what Jesus was doing and being angry at the fact that he wasn't taking advantage of the scenario that was there that was right up Judas's alley. I just don't know. You, you, you get people who do a Judas act, who do a, I almost said the S word, who did a dumb thing in, in trying to help the, the situation along. And then that becomes something that is seized upon and it, it foments hatred and the act of the enemy. I think even like pe those people that went into the Capitol on January 6th, I think there were a lot of well-meaning people, but they did something that wasn't really smart. And it played into the hands of those that really want to destroy the country and I think there are people like that that the enemy could use who are not full-fledged haters or zealots but just good people that don't like what they see and I think the enemy uses that kind of thing too even the idiot John Wilkes Booth who was so furious at 
the fact that the the North had won the Civil War and was f furious is not the word about Lincoln. And by what he did, he basically he basically did a work that was heinous for this country. Reconstruction and the, the KKK that would then rise up and just horrible, horrible things. Now, I do believe he hated, but um, we, we really need to understand this from a pneumonicos perspective, and we need to pray that people will, it's kind of like David shot down you know, some of the ones, let me go up and cut the head off this guy, Shemaiah, who was saying things and tossing rocks. And David said, no, well, how long do I have to be with you? And even Jesus said things like that to his disciples who wanted some kind of a, a knee-jerk reaction. Um, we as saints need to be really wise understand things as the Spirit would direct us to understand them in the Scripture because there's a whole lot more going on in this country right now than Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, and every other letter, um, woke, white privilege. It, there's a demonic strategy and you know, I think, how do we safeguard ourselves? And you mentioned a scripture at the beginning of this conversation about if you hate your brother, these are words of Jesus, the love of the Father is not, is not in you, you. Yeah. does not abide in you. And, and <clears throat> I was thinking about that, that I was, I was going through the abiding passages the other day, and I was just thinking about the love of the Father does not abide in you. And I always looked at that as, like, I don't love the father if I'm hating my brother. Yeah. But what I realize is what I think it's saying is his love cannot abide in me. You cut it off. Yeah. You block it. And when you block his love that abides in you, then you subject yourself to the antithesis of that. And mm -hmm. that was really, that was kind of revel revolution, revelationary, <laughs> revelatory for me. Yeah. Because I'd always looked at it like, well, then I'm not loving the Father. Yeah. If, if I hate my brother, then I'm not loving the Father. No, that's his love. It's, it's, it's his love. Yeah. And, ha and being filled and abiding in his love is what keeps us. And, and so that's just a little extra. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's so easy to misinterpret Scripture and to read it a certain way for many, many years. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait. That's not what it's saying at all. It yeah. has nothing to do with how much I love the Father. It's all about His love. Mm -hmm. so. Anyway. Well, I think we're we are talking about something that's going to influence our first Saturday prayer this coming uh, Saturday. And um, we will be um, sending out a directive some point very soon but we do encourage all of you to be faithful in prayer and let us strive to be in of one mind in the lord as saints because it's it's imperative threefold cord is not easily broken that's right and we must do our best to be that well, as is so often the case, we weren't expecting the broadcast to go in this direction. We don't really know how it's going to go, but we pray that it's been of meaning to you. Anything else before we bid our brothers and sisters a fond adieu? No, just be blessed. Thanks for joining us. Um, God bless all of you. It's a privilege to serve with you 
and um, tomorrow Wednesday night live and again be watchful for uh, the uh, the directive for this coming Saturday's prayer time or the suggestion oh it's a directive <laughs> okay. allow me to clarify that <laughs> all right God bless you all thanks for tuning in goodbye